I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800 334 Kia for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class. It's July 6th. Richard I, also known as Richard the Lionheart, inherited the throne on this day in 1189 after the death of his father, King Henry II. In his younger years, uh, Richard had not really expected to be the king. He was born on September 8th, 1157. His mother was Eleanor of Aquitaine, and he was one of eight children, including four sons who survived infancy. In addition to Richard, the boys were Henry, Geoffrey, and John, and Henry was ahead of Richard in the line for the throne. So Richard sort of assumed his brother was going to be king. These brothers, though, they had so much squabbling amongst themselves The kingdoms had various holdings in England and France, and King Henry divided them up among his sons. He sort of had this idea that his sons should each have something they were in charge of. He divided everything up that way, but he didn't really let his sons run the territory they were theoretically controlling. He also didn't really communicate with them all that well about anything that he was doing. So there was a lot of infighting among the brothers over turf, None of them really trusted their father at all. And then Richard's older brother, Henry, who was sometimes called Henry the Younger King, rebelled against his father in 1173. And when he did that, Richard and Geoffrey joined him. So at this point, they were actually all on the same side instead of fighting with each other. Their rebellion, though, was not successful. Eventually, they had to back down and ask for their father's pardon. Henry the Young King tried again, but he failed and he died in 1183. This 
put Richard next in line for the throne. But his father, though, was still trying to figure out who should be in charge of what in their kingdom. He wanted the youngest, John, to have something of his own. John's lack of a kingdom had earned him the nickname Lackland. So, King Henry wanted John to have Aquitaine, but Richard did not like that idea at all. He really didn't trust that if he let John have Aquitaine, he would actually get what had previously belonged to his brother Henry. Plus, Richard was a lot more connected to the French territory than to the English territory. So... Richard joined forces with Philip II of France and pestered his father until his father died an early death. By that point, King Henry had formally recognized that Richard would follow him on the throne. So after his father died on July 6th and Richard inherited the throne, he was formally crowned on September 3rd of 1189. There was actually a wave of anti-Semitic violence in England after this coronation, including a massacre and the destruction of a predominantly Jewish neighborhood by a Christian mob. There were rumors that Richard himself had ordered this, but when he heard about it, he was outraged. Once he was king, though, Richard the Lionheart's rule was less about ruling, more about crusading. He wanted to join the Third Crusade. He made the money to do it by selling public offices, including sheriffdoms. So if this sounds kind of familiar, and you're not already familiar with 12th century military and political history, a lot of this is in retellings of the story of Robin Hood. There's obviously a whole lot more about Richard the Lionheart's life and reign, but almost none of it was spent in England. He was king for a decade, and he spent less than six months of it in England. In spite of this, he was very popular. He was known not only for his battlefield skill and his political cunning, but also for writing songs and poems. And of course, there's his famed courage, which is why he earned the name Lionheart. He died on April 6th of 1199 from an infected wound from a crossbow bolt. This bolt was not poisoned. Researchers figured that out when studying the remains of his heart and research that was published in 2013. His younger brother, John the one who Richard had refused to give rule over Aquitaine, became king. Thanks so much to Eves Jeffcoat for her research work on today's episode and to Tari Harrison for her audio skills on all these episodes. You can subscribe to This Day in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a posthumous pardon. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. 
I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. Today is July 6th, 2019. The day was July 6th, 1988. The Piper Alpha oil rig, 110 miles northeast of Aberdeen, Scotland, exploded. 167 people died in the disaster. A consortium including Occidental Petroleum, Texaco Britain, International Thompson, and Texas Petroleum owned Piper Alpha, and it was operated by Occidental. The Piper Alpha platform was located in 474 feet, or 144 meters, of water in the North Sea. Oil and gas pipelines connected the platform to two other production platforms called Claymore A and Tartan A, and a manifold compression platform known as MCP-1. 
Piper Alpha produced hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil every day, more than any other in the world at the time. The Piper Alpha platform separated the fluid produced by the wells into oil, gas, and condensate. The oil was pumped through a pipeline to the Flotta oil terminal in Orkney. The condensate was injected back into the oil to be sent to shore, and the gas was sent through a pipeline to the manifold compression platform. The production deck level of the platform was made up of four modules. Module A was the wellhead, B was the oil separation module, C was the gas compression module, and D was the power generation and utilities module. There were firewalls between the modules, but they were not blast resistant. The main production areas had a fire and gas detection system. On July 6, 1988, one condensate injection pump, Pump A, was out of operation for maintenance. Pump B was in operation. Three jobs were supposed to be done on Pump A. Preventative maintenance, repair of the coupling, and recertification of a pressure safety valve. That day, the relief valve was removed for testing, and by the time the day shift was over, the job was not done. The relief valve was not replaced, but this was not communicated to the night shift personnel. After pump B went down at around 9.50 p.m., the lead production operator decided to start pump A. But about five minutes later, alarms started going off. Around 10 p.m., just as the operator put his hand out to cancel the alarms, there was an explosion in the gas compression module of the Piper Alpha platform, blowing the production operator across the room. Gas condensate leaking from the pump ignited. Almost immediately after the explosion, a pool fire broke out in the oil separation module. A pool fire is a diffusion flame where a layer of volatile liquid fuel evaporates and burns. The oil pool fire created a plume of smoke that enveloped the platform at the production deck and above. The spreading fire got to over 700 degrees Celsius or about 1300 degrees Fahrenheit. The offshore installation manager sent a mayday signal. Though there was a fire water system, the sprinkler heads did not work properly. Because the explosion had disabled the main communication system, the platforms attached to Piper Alpha continued producing and pumping oil for a while. Since there was so much smoke, the lifeboats were not accessible. So people tried to escape using other methods. Some climbed down knotted ropes to the sea. Others jumped into the sea from higher heights, including the helideck. Nearby vessels sent fast rescue crafts to the scene. Though about 59 people survived the disaster, 167 died. It was the deadliest offshore oil disaster ever. The platform was destroyed, and by the next morning, only the wellhead module remained. The fire burned for three weeks before oil well fireman Paul Neil Adair extinguished it. Scottish judge William Cullen led an inquiry into the causes of the disaster. The Cullen Report was released in November of 1990. It found that Occidental did not have proper safety and maintenance procedures, and that the condensate leak was caused by the maintenance work happening on a pump and safety valve. It also recommended new procedures for training workers, operating equipment, and designing platforms, as safety management, staff communications, and safety systems have proved inadequate in the disaster. 
The disaster exposed problems with offshore regulations and led to the 1992 Offshore Installations Safety Case Regulations in the UK. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you again tomorrow for more tidbits of history. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.